Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Welcome, everybody. My name is Ben Smith. I'm joined by two colleagues today. I'm joined by Abby Duty and Curtis Wister, the Leia and Han to my Luke, if you will, from All the right. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're, we're talking today, uh, uh, kind of a financial planning topic today. And one of the things that we've been, uh, we've been actually practicing a lot with our clients you know, when we're doing these one-on-one conversations is this idea of visualization, right? Is, is getting to people to, especially when you're pre-retirement or maybe you're early in your retirement, you're trying to figure out what does retirement actually look like for me and what it is that I want to do? What would give, bring me purpose? What would give me accomplishment? And this idea of helping them to start figuring out what does 8 a.m. look like uh, the, the first day? And what does that first month look like in the first year? And those sorts of things. And actually, when we've had these conversations, we have a really great partnership with uh, with the company Tewer Price. We we have a lot of uh, resources that we use of theirs, and, and they're just really great, uh, not just money managers, but also thought leaders in the financial planning industry. And uh, our connection uh, is this gentleman, Alan Valenza, and he he said, you know, you got to talk to Stuart Ritter. Stuart is our senior financial planner and retirement insights leader for T. Rowe Price. And Stuart created this uh, module, uh, this package for uh, for visualizing retirement. And and that was something where we were kind of going back and forth. Man, we were reading his stuff and going, this is great. And what a, what a great get that would be to have Stuart on the show today. So that's, that's the, the kind of the lead up to Stuart. So we have Stuart and, and appreciate Stuart you phoning in today. Well, thanks for having me on the show. Well, well, welcome. And wanted to kind of just give you a, a, a little bit more of a of a three D look, right? Is so with that, um, we always like to get into with our guests again. What is their background a little bit? Like, what did you? Wh- how did you kind of build to this point? And and again, we're talking about visualizing retirement and this whole idea of retirement success. So. Could you just give us a little bit of your background uh, in terms of where you're from and how did you go from an interest in, in your background to where you are today with, uh, with T. Rowe Price? Happy to. I grew up outside of the Washington, D.C. area, and I now live near Baltimore with my wife and three kids. Uh, my background is not typical for what someone might expect from a senior financial planner and retirement insights leader. I have an undergraduate degree in electrical engineering, which surprises me sometimes, too. (laughs) (laughs) And I've got a master's in political science and an MBA. So, yeah, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. The, the one thread that weaves through all of it, though, is understanding complicated information and hopefully explaining it to people well enough that they can make good decisions based on that information. So I, I was never the best engineer in the room when I was an engineer, but I was pretty good at explaining complicated engineering stuff to the non-engineers so they can make good business decisions. And now, and so over the past two decades, I've spent my career hopefully understanding the complicated financial planning information that is helpful for people to understand and explaining that to them in a way that helps them make better decisions. Nice. Very nice. So how did you eventually find that passion for the financial service industry coming from, you know, that very different background that you just described? 
It happened in the two years that I worked between my undergraduate and my graduate degree. I went out in the working world, worked for two years, and then went back to school full time. And I am missing $107,000. When I looked at how much I earned, I know, right? If (laughs) you find it, let me know. (laughs) When I looked at how much I earned in those two years between undergraduate and graduate school, it's the equivalent today of $107,000. And I have no idea what I spent that money on. I mean, I had an apartment and paid rent and and I had a car and I went out with friends and other stuff, but really $107,000? I hear from people sometimes they can relate to the fact that I know I've got a bunch of money coming in, but I really don't have a sense of where it's going. That's right. And after that experience, I was like, you know what? That's not a good feeling. I want a better idea of where my money is going. And more importantly, I want to make sure my money is going towards the things that are important to me to have money to spend on. So that's really where I started getting the interest in financial planning in first my own budgeting and setting priorities and setting and meeting financial goals. And then ultimately, having the opportunity to gain the knowledge to help other people get better at figuring out what's important to them and making sure they're using their money in a way that helps them achieve those goals. So Stuart, with that, where you kind of say, all right, here's obviously where you kind of have the galvanizing point of, hey, this is, I'm, I feel like I'm, uh, this money is just being wasted. And I and now I want to go build a career in this, in this field, right? Is I want to go uh, try to help people. And I want to, in an altruistic sense, right? I want to go uh, try to make a difference here. How did you, how did you kind of translate from, hey, I obviously got this schooling and very different things to then getting a foot in the door somewhere to realizing that um, that purpose? I originally came to T. Rowe Price based a lot on the engineering background and was in one of our operations groups. But given the fact that T. Rowe has had a longstanding commitment to educating people, to helping folks understand what it takes to be successful financially, and then providing some of the solutions to help them do so, I had the opportunity to earn my certified financial planner designation while I was here. And Your point about helping people has always been a big driver. I spent three years as an adjunct teaching personal finance at Johns Hopkins University. I've done presentations at local colleges. I volunteer at one of our local hospitals to do a financial planning for prospective parents class for folks who are starting a family, either thinking about it a couple of years in the future or have a due date, you know, in next week. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so it, it was a good alignment between the kinds of things I wanted to do to help people better understand what their options were in terms of achieving their goals, and then the resources and support that T. Rowe Price provides both to me personally to gain the knowledge, but then as an organization to partner with with companies like yours to give people resources to help them figure out the best way to get the things they want to get. Nice. And I know obviously T. Rowe Price is being your employer and kind of coming up a few times. Maybe for those on this show that are listening have maybe maybe they've heard of T. Rowe Price, maybe they haven't. Can you just give just maybe a 30 second like who is T. Rowe Price? Um, what do you do? And and kind of what makes what what makes you stand out in the marketplace? Absolutely. When it comes to choosing investments, people can go out and research individual investments on their own. They can research individual companies to decide whether or not to buy their stocks. They can research individual bonds to decide if they want to buy the bonds. There are other investments out there. T. Rowe Price 
is a professional at doing that. And essentially, people hire us to do the investing part for them through generally mutual funds. So you buy a share of a mutual fund, you're owning a piece of a collection of stocks or a collection of bonds or a collection of those put together. So the expertise T. Rowe Price brings to the table is the hundreds of people we have worldwide who are looking at individual investment, boots on the ground, looking at individual companies, manufacturing plants or their warehouses, or analyzing bonds and deciding whether a particular individual investment is a good one at the price that it's available, and putting those together in mutual funds that focus on different areas, as well as putting those together in packages. So you can get one mutual fund that is designed to help you invest for retirement and will change over time for you, make sure you're diversified. And T. Rowe Price has been doing this an incredibly long time. We are, I think, one of the most successful firms uh, out there at doing that. And we differentiate ourselves by providing the best investment solutions for people as the part of what they need to do to achieve their financial goals. We do the investing for folks who hire us that way. And and with that, Stuart, right, where you kind of have this financial planning role at T. Rowe Price, can you talk about, right, obviously what you just described is a lot about the investment part and, and kind of the kind of the managing of a portfolio, but can you talk about why T. Rowe Price is a great fit for you today and, and also why are you passionate about your role at T. Rowe Price? Sure. The investing fits in the larger context. When someone says, I have a financial goal, whether that goal is saving for my children's college education or my own retirement or buying a house, whatever it is, there are three decisions that people need to make, three financial planning decisions. The first is, how much am I going to save? So how much do I need to save for retirement or my kid's college education or for the house? The second decision is, what account should I use? And that's important because certain accounts give you tax benefits for right. certain goals. If I'm saving for retirement, 401ks, IRAs. If I'm saving for college, a 529 plan. And then the third decision is, once I've saved my money in a particular account, how do I invest that money based on my goals time horizon? What's the right mix of stocks and bonds and cash? And how do I stay diversified? And how should that change over time? So T. Rowe Price recognizes that the investing part of that decision set happens in the larger context. And we provide people like myself to help folks understand that larger context. How do you decide what your priorities are? How do you decide whether saving for your own retirement or your kid's college education should be more important? Is it saving for a house or for the family vacation? So what do we do to help people think through what's important to them? And then how do we help them answer the questions about how much to save, what account to use, and how to invest? And then we provide those solutions for the investing piece. My role is to help with that larger context, and that's built on top of T. Rowe's expertise in the investing piece. Gotcha. So it sounds like one of the evolutions from from those processes, right, is is it, you know, a lot, I think a lot of people sometimes have trouble um, kind of articulating what it is that they're looking to accomplish in their life, or maybe they're not, they've never even thought about it. So when when I get introduced to the your your kind of this idea of your visualized retirement project, that's kind of what hit me was, hey, this is a really great framework to to kind of help people think about 
and visualize and, and really put something of it's very tangible and something that they, they actually could go, you know, I'm really passionate about this. And then once you get the passion in something, it allows people to then kind of uh, uh, actually get more excited about the rest of the process. So can you define and kind of explain what your visual, visualized retirement project is, what it is, and then what it's intended to do? Absolutely. We spend a lot of time talking to pre-retirees, talking to retirees about their lives and what they're trying to accomplish. And one of the things we found in our research is that for folks who are what we call pre-retirees, say 50 to 65 or whenever their individual retirement hits, what we found was three out of four people will say, I have spent time looking at the financial aspects of transitioning into retirement. I've thought about how much money I've saved and how much I'm going to need and maybe how much I'm going to spend. I've focused on the financial part of it. Three out of four. What surprised us and led us in this direction was only about one out of three said they had spent any time thinking about what they were going to do in retirement, who they were going to be in retirement, had looked beyond just the financial aspect into the emotional side of it, what their identity was going to be. And that both surprised us. And as we talked more to people about this, we realized that it was a bigger issue that many people didn't necessarily realize that they had. I'll give you an example. We were doing um, some focus groups. So we had the, the recent retirees. We were looking into um, what people's experience was uh, in the early years of their retirement. So we brought pre-retirees in and I was sitting in that, you know, dark back room with the, the bowl full of M&Ms. <laughs> and at the very beginning, um, folks are just going around introducing themselves. And I will never forget the one gentleman who gave us his name. And the next thing out of his mouth, he said, I failed retirement. Wow. And that was a word I had never heard anybody use to describe retirement. How do you fail retirement? And he went on to tell us exactly what happened. He said, I went into my financial advisor one day and the advisor said, congratulations, you made it. We've modeled all the money stuff and we've looked at the numbers and you have enough money to retire. You can be done. And the guy said, so I did. I literally went into the office the next day and said, okay, I'm done. I'm retiring. I was miserable. I started bickering with my wife. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was moping around the house. I became depressed. I failed retirement. Right. Now, the solution was the obvious one. He said, I went back to work, and <laughs> then we got into more details of things. But it highlighted for us the importance of moving beyond the financial side. The financial side is very important. If you don't have the financial, you know, anything you might visualize might not come, come to pass, right. come true. But you've got to move beyond just the financial and spend some time thinking about what your vision of retirement is, what you're going to do. And that led us to put this program together and partner with advisors like you to help bring it forward to folks so that someone can start integrating what they want to have happen in retirement with the money aspect and make sure both of those are in place as they make this important life transition. That's really interesting. And I think, you know, as an advisor myself, we've seen some of that too, that sometimes people get into retirement and just have no idea what their, what their real purpose is anymore. Um, so have you seen that personally with any of your family or friends in your own life? Absolutely. 
there was one person I remember who was a senior leader uh, at a nonprofit organization. And, you know, his job for a very long time was to go in and put strategies together and tell people what to do and watch the execution, all those things. And it was the old model of retirement, which was you worked full-time on Friday and starting Monday, you never worked again. Right. And right. just as I described, he uh, he said, I, I was lost. I had no idea what to do with myself. And it was interesting, the dynamic between him and his spouse, because his wife was like, and I had no idea what to do with him either. There he was lying on a couch in my house. I got things to do. I got people coming over for our book club, and there he is, lying on the couch. So it took some time for him to go through that period, and by time, I mean literally years, to come to terms with the end of of his old life and to craft what the new life could have been, where some intentionality approaching that transition might have been helpful. I, I think part of the issue some people have is, when they think about retirement, they think about what they are retiring from. Right. I'm going to be Absolutely. done having to get up early every morning. I'll be done having to wear uncomfortable clothes. <laughs> I'll be done you know, taking orders from somebody else. But they haven't thought about what they're retiring to, what's going to replace that. And it's making sure you've got both of those thought out that's important, or you know, it, it may be a more difficult transition than it needs to be. Yeah, and Stuart, I'll I'll add to that too. I know we'll we'll dig into this a little bit more in the show, but a client conversation I've had before is that they actually knew what they're going to do in retirement, right? They actually had the oh, yeah, I I do this in the summer, I do this in the winter, and I go I we do travel, we do this, and because we started going, well, what is this money for, right? What is what is all this wealth mm-hmm. represent? And he goes, yeah, I've never my family's never been wealthy. I've you know it's maybe blue collar wealth where I had to start from day one, and this is all I've earned in my life. But and, and we started just getting into this, well, what does this money represent? And he sort of saw, started talking about, well, you know, I don't need it. Well, what, I have, what about when I die? I'll just give it to the kids, which you hear that we hear that a lot. And I'm sure you do, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but you start getting into this point of, well, OK, well, what 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 are your values right and what do you what's really meaningful to you and what do you want that money to do to impact your values and and one thing we got to which i which really stuck to me is he goes yeah my my grandson he goes my grandson is is 5 or 6 he goes and i i told my grandson that i'm going to help him pick out his first car wow hmm. that's that hey, that's that's pretty great and he he goes so he's it's a few years later and he goes grampy Eight more years, you're, you're buying me my first car, and we start talking about that as like, well, can you can just fast forward eight years from today and just think about that day? You know, you're on that car lot with with your grandson helping to pick out his first car, right? And and that's a that's a money memory that you will have the rest of your life, but he will have that rest of of his life and thinking about you, right? And and it's probably every time he he goes to buy a car, he'll probably be thinking about that day he spent with his grandfather going to pick out what was an appropriate choice for a 16-year-old to buy a car. And we tar- and that's the sort of thing we started looking at money and, and the value of money and, and what is – because it's not just, well, here's what I'm trying to do in my retirement, but also what it was accomplishing. And, and family was one of those things that he wanted to galvanize his family with with money. And so we spent a lot 
the time on the visualization, like go forward eight years and think about this one day and let's start putting together a structure and, and financial plan on, all right, well, let's set that money aside and making sure that that's there so that that day can happen and you can afford and visualize the type of car that you want to be buying your grandson. So, uh, so I, I want to weave that into the next question here, that story, because, you know, and you gave us some statistics and in, in the statistic I've read from your research too, is only 35% of 50 to 59 year olds have made the serious effort to prepare for the emotional aspects of, of retirement. Right. So in that, which is, I think these, that statistic is kind of why are we doing the show, right? Is that people aren't really emotionally prepared is yeah, they can go do an advisor and they can do the, you know, plan the money part. But what are you finding in your studies that retirees are not doing well in retirement by not visualizing these emotional impacts? I think there are a couple of things. We've talked about how people lack the purpose in retirement, and that creates a difficult situation for them. The other thing that happens is very often there is somebody else who is directly impacted by your retirement especially for couples. And without spending time on the visualization part, you can run into some awkward situations. I was meeting with somebody on a Sunday morning uh, at their house, and he was looking for some confirmation about the analysis he had done. He was a a big do-it-yourselfer. He had retired that previous Friday, so two days earlier. And I walk in and we're we're in the living room and he's got all his papers spread out on the table and he's he's talking about you know the the DB benefit he had and the balance in the 401k plan and how much he was going to withdraw and how his wife was going to work for another 5 years and that was making the money work and there's this voice from the kitchen that says I never agreed to that. Ooh. Oh boy. <laughs> mhm. He gets this wide-eyed look and kind of turns back and said but that's what you said you were going to do. And she said, we had a casual hallway conversation. I mean, I may have mentioned it, but I don't want to be trapped that I have to work for the next five years full time to make this work. And he looked at her and said, well, maybe if you had a problem with it, you should have told me before I retired on Friday. And she looked back at him and said, maybe you should have asked me. And now I'm looking for the nearest door. Right, right. right. Hi, yes, Ooh. that's uncomfortable. <laughs> it got it got hot and heavy in there fast. <laughs> and that was a classic example of two people who had different visions for the when yes. of retirement. When am I going to retire? And when are you going to retire? And how do those decisions interact with each other? Even though one person had looked at all the numbers and said, oh, it's going to work. So one of the things that a mistake that people can make is not only not having spent the time thinking it through for themselves, but then not sharing their vision in full with their partner to make sure that if there are any discrepancies, those discrepancies can get resolved. Now, it all worked out. They had been married for a long time and, and remain married. But he did go back to work part-time because that then took the pressure off and she didn't feel like she needed to work full-time for the next five years. And they were able to figure it out. It just would have been nice if they had done that earlier and especially not with me in the room. <laughs> exactly. But, but in, you know, from the advisory perspective, right, is in a lot of times it's like that's the role for us, right, is, is just getting people mm-hmm. to sit in a neutral space and to ask the question to each person. And that's just the kind of the mediate of that conversation, right? Is it because yeah, Abby Curtis and I are looking at each other right now is, Hey, these are, these are conversations that we get to that point and pre-retirement or retirement and 
people will come up with answers that the other person snaps the head right to uh, 90 degrees to their left or right and says, what? Mm-hmm. Yep. Where did that come from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And-, and I think that's one of the, the big values that an advisor like all of you provides that sometimes people don't recognize that it's not just about the money. The money is actually a means to an end. Right. And it's helping people through the conversation about the end and bringing potentially two different ideas out in the open and reconciling it that really helps people feel more comfortable and confident about then the financial plan that ultimately gets created because you've helped them work through a lot of that visioning aspect. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, since it sounds like you've gone through this exercise with, you know, a number of people, have you found um, a group that is, you know, particularly helped by this visualization? Um, anything like that? You know, I'm hesitating in responding just because it it seems to help everybody a lot. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we've run into a group where, or at least not one I can think of, where folks have said, hey, you know what, we've already done all this. We'll get to it because we talked about it during the prep. We have the five W's uh, of the vision. I, I talked about one already, which is the when. But part of the, the value of the Visualized Retirement Program is it, first of all, just gives people a structure of what to think about. I'll come back to the retirement transition, but when folks think about other transitions in their lives, whether it was leaving high school and going into the working world or going into college or maybe getting married or having a child, with a lot of those life transitions, one of the biggest producers of anxiety for people is they just simply don't know what to expect. They don't know what they're supposed to think about. They don't know what's important and what's not important. And sometimes just bringing in a structure and saying, okay, here are the three things you need to be focused on, or here are the five things you need to be focused on. There's, There's a whole bunch of things, but if you focus on these five, that just gives people a framework for approaching. And then they can go, you know, get some information on those five things, and it makes them feel better prepared for that transition. The same thing happens with the transition into retirement. Most people have never been retired before. So yeah, what am I supposed to focus on, right? Right. Um, we heard one story of an advisor said, you know, so I asked the guy, what do you want to do in retirement? And the guy looked at him and paused for a moment and said, golf. And mm. I said, oh, do you enjoy golfing? And the guy said, no, I, I've never golfed in my life, but I think you're supposed to do that in retirement. So that's the answer <laughs> I gave you. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here are some, here are the five areas you need to think about for retirement. Let's go through an exercise and think about each one. Then maybe compare it to the answers somebody else in your household might have given and providing that framework for folks gives them, it it moves the situation from, oh my gosh, I don't know what to expect to, okay, I know what to think about and I know how to put a plan together. And then I can put my efforts towards executing on that plan. And that helps people from an emotional standpoint really move far down the road in terms of their preparation. Gotcha. Obviously, you mentioned one of the W's with when. And one of the things I want to segue towards this whole, you know, we, we kind of went through this idea of like creating visualized retirement and kind of who can use it and how it's, you know, how it's maybe impacting people. But let's talk about the actual application of visualized retirement. And can you walk us through when you mentioned those five W's? What are the five W's? And it, you know, which obviously when is included there, but what's the methodology um, of, of applying those? How'd you describe that? For the journalism majors among our listeners here, the five W's are who, what, where, 
when, and why. So let me take each of them in turn and explain how they apply to the retirement transition. So the who is who do you want to spend time with in retirement? And we'll mention a, a tool we've put together for folks, a workbook. Um, we, we took a lot of adult learning theory in when we created the workbook. And one of the things uh, that we know about how adults learn is they compare new information to old information. They start with what they already know. And then we are able to incorporate new information. So when, when, it's, it, when you think about who you want to spend time with in retirement, it's helpful to start with who do you spend time with now? If you were to rank order who you spend time with, and it's work colleagues, family, friends, community, those kinds of things, what does that rank order look like today? And then what do you want it to be when you get to retirement? How's it going to change? And obviously, for a lot of people that work one, right down to the bottom. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> 57% of people will say, oh, I'm going to spend more time with family and friends. Now, what we didn't do was survey the family and friends to see if they wanted to spend more time with the retiree. And that's actually an important consideration because folks will say, we, we heard from, uh, again, the same focus group, um, one of the recent retirees who said, okay, so I retired on Friday and Monday, and he's like, and, and, and I'm laughing because I can't believe I did it, but I really did. Monday, I showed up back at the office at lunchtime. So I could go have lunch with my colleagues, which is what I had done every day for the last 10 years. Wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. And, and you know what? They, they actually weren't real that, all that thrilled to see me. And it was kind of an awkward lunch. And then I realized these are not the people whom I can spend time with anymore. I right. got to go yeah. find other people. Right. The other piece of who is who's on your health care team. Healthcare is something that a lot of people are concerned about. Um, so when you think about the who, first of all, whose healthcare support team are you on? Because you will probably continue doing that, and that will be someone you spend time with. And then when you're needing help, who do you want to be on your team? So all of that is wrapped up in the who part. Who are the people I'm going to spend time with? Gotcha. The second one is what. That's the classic, what am I going to do with my time? So what do you do with your time now? What do you want to do with your time in retirement? And as we've alluded to a couple of times, for a lot of people, it's kind of the first time they've thought about that part. Golf, maybe. And even if I already golf, there are 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week. <laughs> and Stuart, if you're, if you're living in Maine like we are, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a very you, short you get a season. a one and a half week golf season. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Something like that. Yes. 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 So, so what is that going to be? And Another element we have is once you've decided what it's going to be, are there steps you can take today to help bridge that transition? So if one of the what is, I want to spend my time volunteering, I want to be involved in community organizations, pursue a passion, that's what I want to do with my time. Is there something you can do today to help with that? So do some research on what organizations are available start volunteering one or two hours a week. So when you get to the point that you have more time to give, you've established those relationships and you're now in a position to ramp that up as opposed to starting the cold calling that Monday morning. Or you could listen to episode nine of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast where we go into volunteerism. Just a quick little one. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. That would be the first thing on your what list That's right. when you get to retirement, listen to the podcast. That's right. That's right. Keep going though. So, so we've covered who and what 
The next one is where. And it's not just where do you want to live. A lot of people will say, okay, I'm going to stay in my own home. Most people decide that. Um, But the where can also be, is there going to be another place we will live? Um, Again, alluding to Maine, it tends to get a bit cold, I've heard, and maybe there's some snow in the wintertime. And some people will say, we want to find something farther south, and we're going to split our time Mm -hmm. between the two places. Mm -hmm. Where is also... Uh, if we're going to travel, where are we going to travel to and for how long and in what way? Uh, so the where encompasses both kind of the ongoing, what's my domicile? What's my house? Where are we going to, you know, get our mail sent? And it's also, if travel is part of our vision of retirement, where is that going to be for how long? How are we going to do it? Gotcha. So who, what, where? I alluded to the when, or I mentioned the when. That one, I think people underestimate how complex that one can be. Oh, when am I going to retire? When I turn age 65. One of the things we found in our research is that one out of three people have work as part of their vision of retirement. Mm -hmm, That mm -hmm. old model of working full-time on Friday, never working again on Monday, that's evolved. There are people who stop working full-time and then go back in the workforce. There are folks who switch to part-time. They do on-demand work. They stop. They start. So the when can be a lot fuzzier than people realize it can be. And, of course, as I mentioned, um, if there's somebody else in the household, their when and your when need to be reconciled. So very often you have people who retire at different times. Well, what is that retiree going to do while the other person is still working? And how does that affect their relationship? We were talking to one woman who said, I got to tell you that my husband retired a year ago, and this has been a real problem for me. I am starting to really resent him. I get up every morning to go to work, and he gets to sleep late day after day after day. And I I hadn't put any thought into how that would affect me emotionally about how I'm going to view our relationship. And I'm recognizing we got to figure something out. Either I need to retire or he needs to go back to work because this isn't working. Right. So the when part is the fourth W in the five of creating someone's vision. Okay. And that last one is why. Why are you getting up in the morning? When we're working, that work provides a big part of our identity, a big part of the structure for our lives, a lot of our relationships, The why part, the who we are, the answer to the question at the party of, well, what do you do, is provided by work. Mm -hmm. When that work ends, the why needs to still be there. Because people who have a why, not only are they mentally healthier, they're also physically healthier. There's research that shows that they're less likely to get Alzheimer's. They're more likely to have higher longevity. So understanding what your why will be in retirement is an important part of putting that vision together. And again, if there are things you can do today to help set up that why, those are things you're going to want to focus on to help with that transition. So five W's, who, what, where, when, and why help you start framing out what your vision of retirement can be. Gotcha. And I, I really like that because I think there's, as you're going through those those W's, man, the, the stories that I think we're thinking about and, and even like how very um, common we see that just the couples that have that argument about their when and, yes. and, or, or sometimes it's, there's an age split between the couple. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and well, Hey, 
that one of us is eligible for retirement five or six or seven or 10 years before the other one is. So, hey, I'm out, uh, but I don't know what you're going to do. Right? There's, it, almost they, they don't take a kind of us approach. Sometimes they take a very singular me approach to it. And, yeah. and right into what we're talking about is also, you know, creating and, and sustaining very lasting and loving relationships as part of that too. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, what I want to hear more about though, too, from you, Stuart, is, is there also for, there's three components of retiree lives and then elements of happiness, right? And so lifestyle, healthcare, and meaning, right? So those, those W mm -hmm. the, in the methodology there kind of impact all of those. But for those three components, do you think that those three elements are equally important to retirees? And maybe it's a needs versus wants based piece, but um, is there one element that's more impactful than others and why? And then there's, is there, is there one that maybe is, uh, is less than the other? Yeah, what you're referring to, again, comes out of the research we, we've done with retirees to help us understand what is key to people being happy, however they might define it, in retirement. And, and the three that rose to the top were lifestyle, healthcare, and meaning. So what am I doing with my time? Am I healthy enough to do it? And does it fulfill some larger purpose? And each individual is going to dial those three up or down depending upon their circumstances. The, the healthcare one is kind of a, a, a necessary but not sufficient condition for the happiness. If you, if you aren't healthy, that will very often limit what you can do and can uh, be a challenge for folks. But just because you are healthy doesn't mean, okay, that's all I need. That's where the lifestyle and the meaning have a bigger impact. And everybody decides what lifestyle is the right one for them. There are some folks who get travel is it. And I want to spend as little time at home as possible and go see a lot of things. And for other people, the lifestyle they want is going and taking care of their grandkids every day. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing they're looking forward to. So there's not a right or wrong one. At the same time, it is important for people to be reflective about what lifestyle they expect or think is going to be right for them. And uh, you talked about at the very top of the show, which was talking to folks about you know what what the next day, week, month, year is going to be like, because really that's uh, about as far out as you can imagine. You know, maybe five years out. Beyond that, things are going to get kind of fuzzy. So, helping people think through, well, what is it that's going to be meaningful for me for the next couple of years, but also recognize that being adaptable and flexible and recognizing, just as we've done in our lives up until now, what we're interested in changes over time. That's right. And being open to those kinds of things happening in retirement as well. And that's something that I think from our point, Stuart, when we're sitting down with folks, for our job to do all of this well and to really get into this is very, sometimes very deep, dark secret stuff for people is that they've never told anybody this or they've never actually yeah. verbalized that. Mm -hmm. And that I think that can be really tough, right, is to kind of get people to that point to be able to trust um, us because maybe there's a, just a misnomer, a misconception that I sit with, down with my financial advisor and they're going to tell me no. They're going to tell me you shouldn't do right. that. You can't afford this. Um, that they're trying to be mom and dad and try to tell me what I can't do. And 
what what you're doing here with your structure and what we're trying to do with our practice is turn that around to show you yes, right? Is is mm-hmm. I'm not trying to judge you if you say, hey, I want to go spend time with my grandkids or, you know, I just want to sit on the couch all day. If that's what I want to do and that's where my happiness is and, and that those are the three levers in those key components, great. Right. Let's, let's kind of have you, let's have you do that as long as you possibly can and sustain your happiness. So I, I think that's the hard part for us, right? Is to apply is if, you know, if we were able to give a message to someone walking through that door with us tomorrow that doesn't know us is, is that right? Is that yeah. we're not here to judge and we're not here to say no or, you know, and make fun of something or ridicule anything. This is all about, Hey, this is safe. And how do we do more? How do we get you to do more of what you want to do? So I really like kind of what you're building there is allows a methodology and a, and kind of a structure to something that feels very squishy, right? It just feels very, you know, all of that. Yeah. And that's why the, the emotional side and the financial side complement each other so well. The money is, as I've said, a means to an end, which means you've got to start with understanding what that end is. And as financial planners, we are experts in understanding what strategies we can apply to help people do things. It's like going to your physician. First, we want to diagnose what it is that needs the help. Right. And then of the myriad treatment regimens that are out there, then we know which one to apply. But it's got to start with what people are looking to do. And that's what this is designed to help people think through. Yeah, that's, I think this is all so interesting and very helpful to help people kind of narrow down kind of what makes them individually happy. Um, so when you were going through these focus groups, were there things that came up that were considered to be part of the elements of happiness, um, but that were not actually validated as keys to happiness? There are a wide variety of things that we looked at that feed into people's happiness, activity levels, location. What we found was those three, the lifestyle, the healthcare, and the meaning, um, were the ones that were articulated most frequently by folks as being things that they felt were most correlated to and causing the happiness or the lack of those were causing the unhappiness that they were experiencing. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. In I do want to ask just a kind of a, a switching question here. And obviously because visualization is just something we're pretty passionate about, right? Is it's, it's something where just sitting down, having these conversations can be pretty powerful. And, and I'm, I'm smiling as I'm saying this because, uh, when you, when you sit down and you do these exercises with people, and I'm not sure if you've experienced the same thing, Stuart, but you, you do this and then people exit that room after, after your session, they go, I've never thought of it this way. I've never had someone talk to me that way. Yeah. I've never really thought of like you just see talk about an impact, right? Is I, I, they're looking at their relationships differently. They're looking at their own life differently. They're looking at their purpose. That th- there's there's kind of unlocking that happens with with what you're you're sh- talking to us about here. So we love this, right? Is this is something we we just kind of it just makes it meaning worthwhile because a lot of the stuff that I think financial advisors do get stuck in the tactics, right? Is you know as you said, kind of types of accounts and tax preferences, and that can just not translate and make impacts at times. So these things do. And and so for those that maybe are not working with us and maybe don't walk into a room, which is okay, if you're out there, but you're just listening to this show, what sort of things could someone do to kind of start doing visualization on their own? We have put together everything I've described, the five W's, together in a workbook to help people go through this process. It's available at tiroprice.com forward slash 
Vision Workbook, Vision Workbook, tiroprice.com forward slash Vision Workbook. And it makes it easy for people to just download it. So you do it in the privacy of your own home and you fill it out. And to your point, people have different engagement levels and interests sometimes in the financial side of this, especially in couples, simply through specialization of labor. If you've got two people in a household, they become experts in different things. And very often you've got one person who's focused on the money and the other person who's not. And sometimes the prospect of being dragged into an advisor's office to talk about price to earnings (laughs) ratios and correlation, oh my goodness, I don't want to do that. (laughs) But the opportunity to spend some time thinking about what I want out of retirement Now, that's something that people are interested in. And I like how throughout this conversation, you've helped people understand that what a financial advisor does is much broader than just what the dollar signs are on a piece of paper. That's right. So folks can come in and get more clarity on what that vision is and kind of, you know, if they want to offload the financial part. That's what you as the expert are there for to take care of that. But they've had the opportunity to think through what that vision is and heroprice.com forward slash vision workbook. Uh, You download that workbook and you can go through it. And if there's somebody else in your household, no, it's not like one of those magazine quizzes where you fill it out for them. You probably want to let them actually go through (laughs) the process themselves. Um, And then the two of you can start having that conversation. And from that, it can be cathartic. It can be freeing. It can be enlightening. It can, you know, bring you closer together because you better understand the person. And then it also has uh, important implications for then what kinds of financial decisions you make about when to retire and where you can go travel and if you are going to get that second home and all of those kinds of things. But now you're doing that from a position of understanding and enlightenment because you've created your vision for that transition. So Stuart, so we go through this this methodology, right? And you you find that you're articulating a vision, right? And and, it's, and and I think sometimes we have this with our clients that people will um, articulate a vision, but that that maybe maybe if you go further, that those visions become very different. Do you have an example of of when or or something that that of when those types of things happen? Sure, let me give you some examples. Uh, three different visions, all of which involve a boat. Okay. But in very different ways. So, and these are all real people. So there's one person we were talking with, and when you have the conversation, well, what, what do you envision for retirement? They say, I'm, I'm thinking about a boat. And it's important for people to drill down on this. They said, now my vision of the boat is when I retire, I'm going to buy a boat and I'm going to sail down the Chesapeake Bay, which is here in Maryland. Sure. I'm going to sail down the Chesapeake Bay and I'm going to get gourmet mustards from around the world and I'm going to sell deli sandwiches to the other boaters on the Chesapeake Bay during the day. That's my vision of retirement and that's how I'm going to use a boat. Okay. The second person who talked about a boat as part of their vision of retirement says, my vision of retirement is I am going to live on a cruise ship full time. I'm going to spend months on a cruise ship. I'm going to live on the cruise and I'm going to go around the world on a cruise ship. My vision of retirement is a boat and that boat is a cruise ship that's going to take me around the world. Mm -hmm. And the third person's vision that involves a boat said, my, my retirement, it's got a boat in that. And that boat is a canoe. And I'm going to take my grandchildren out in the canoe and teach them how to fish. And that's my vision of retirement. So three different people 
all have a boat in their vision of retirement. But because they've gone through this exercise, they've really thought through the elements and details of the vision. And you end up with people having much better ideas of what they want their retirement to be. And as you might imagine, there are financial implications for each of those three different visions. And that's where a financial planner can help after helping you understand what your vision is, figure out the right strategies to help you put that vision into action. Right, because really the underlying theme of, of that example, right, is is that if you don't go deep enough, right, is it just mm-hmm. say, hey, what are you interested in in retirement? My interest is in a boat. And that's where you stop and that's where everybody stops. Yeah, there's so much more to explore there. Of, it's going to implicate right. all the ramifications to you and your life, but also your money and, and your relationship with that. So I like that. That was, that was a really good uh, good example. Thanks for sharing that with us, Stuart. And, and I'll say, too, is I, I think you're – you know, from what we believe and what we see is because you've articulated that and you've communicated that not only to the world in terms of your your spouse, maybe family, but more importantly for us to your advisor, right, is, you mm-hmm. know, if, if you've articulated a goal of, of traveling every six months, but you never told us that, right, and we're planning on a, you know, we're creating this really nice financial plan. Well, it's meaningless if it doesn't really uh, align with what you want to do with your life. And it, it so what we find is you get more surprises as the advisor, right? Is, is that someone just mm-hmm. comes up and says, Hey, today I decided to. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I probably would have done a lot of things very differently uh, with working with you if I had known that that was the case. So I think a lot yeah. of our work is, so some of it's just the visualization, which is a, a great byproduct is getting people to be more enlightened about what retirement is and and where it's going. Another byproduct back to us as feedback is that it allows us to make better better decisions on how to position you and how to be thinking about your money over time. So it has lots of different ripples effects, which is why we really love it as it, it's, it, it just goes to the heart of, I think, where people want to go. So again, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Stuart, for that reason is, is for that. I do want to ask a, a wrap-up question, which we always like to ask all of our guests is is because this show is visual visualization of retirement really it's retirement success in maine so for you visualizing retirement for yourself knowing all this research now right your own uh your own system of course with all of your background how would you define retirement success for you my vision for retirement would be to continue the education that i've had the opportunity to do as part of my career so for me being an adjunct professor again and teaching personal finance at a college, volunteering to do some community work to help people with their personal finances. My vision of retirement is a a continuation of the kinds of things I'm doing now, um, just not at 8 o'clock in the morning. I like to sleep in. So we'll do it part-time and probably do it in the afternoon. Gotcha. Well, great. Stuart, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Um, I, I know we hit a lot of different uh, hard-hitting topics here on visualization, but we, we just really uh, commend you. Hats off to you for, for what you're doing at T.O.R. Price. We just have a lot of respect for your work and be able to use it here in, in a little minor way for us. It's been pretty impactful. So thank you to uh, for that. But also thank you for joining us and uh, taking the time of your day. Well, thank you for the opportunity. And I hope this helps as you are talking with people and holistically approaching their lives and helping them achieve what they want to achieve. All right. Thanks, Stuart. Thank you. So really kind of a fun uh, fun topic today was is not kind of the nitty gritty like financial or you know, it was more of this whole, like, again, kind of the zooming out of our podcast a little bit as we've spent a mm. lot of episodes getting to this 
very specific topic in retirement. And this is more the zooming out and, and kind of thinking about this as an entire theme and not just kind of one thing. So like that, uh, you know, we were able to kind of spend uh, some time on that today. Again, Stuart Ritter is, again, for his level at T. R. Price, he's pretty significant in terms of thought leader for the country. So oh, yeah. I was pretty impressed that uh, that we were able to get him and, and his time to come on the show with us because it, it, what's pretty nice about you're seeing him doing the academic research, creating this thought leadership, and then the things that we're learning from him, be able to apply that in our meetings and then giving the feedback up. So it's a good kind of a back and forth to be able to go through. And, and I, again, I personally enjoyed that as, as something. But one of the things we always like to do is these, these wrap ups is, well, what, what were the takeaways? Right. And one of the things I liked about Stuart's, uh, uh, visualized retirement exercise here is that his five W methodology, what everybody's learned through grade school, you're, uh, you're reading it in your news articles, right? The, the who, what, when, where, how, and why. And this is the ha- has when instead of the, the how part, yeah. right? So it's kind of nice that you can kind of go, I, I get that. I see where he kind of took that from and he's repurposing that to ask me questions to kind of write that news article. If you read the exercise, there's actually the, the last part of it is, is your dust jacket, right? Is in every book they're covered with these jackets, right? Mm-hmm. And the back half of the dust jacket is the bio of the, of the author. Yeah. And that was one of the inspirations for this whole thing was to kind of get to oh, here's your author and here's what they're about and here's what they like to do. And it's those five W's. So again, kind of a, a liked about that is I think anybody can apply this, right? Is yeah. this isn't, you know, you have to work with an advisor. You don't have to work with us. You could go do this yourself and, and figure this out. So we like that it's a teaching podcast. Yeah. But Abby, what was your takeaway from today? So what I found really interesting about today was just the universal themes that we see as advisors that he was bringing up that he's seen on his side, right? Like a lot of the the stories that he was talking about, about people not having thought about retirement after the day that they retire, that is way more common than I think people give credit to. And we see it often. And so I just found it very interesting that he also sees it and how helpful it was that he put a framework behind actually trying to figure out and, you know, put a structure to what your life looks like in retirement. And we try and do this with our clients too. And I think he gave us some good talking points to use with our clients going forward, right? So, you know, how to how to think about the elements of happiness and using the five W's and, mm-hmm. and the workbook. And I think it's super helpful for people. And I do think it does help in having a successful retirement. So that's, yeah. that's what I found really interesting. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll kind of piggyback on that, Abby. You know, it, you mentioned the stories. I myself am a huge story guy. So the, the husband and wife, I think he mentioned he was, yeah. you know, two days after the husband had retired and, uh, you know, Know, the husband made a reference of the you know the wife was going to work for another five years or or what and uh, you know he heard the voice from the other room that said uh, excuse me uh, <laughs> right. you know and he joked at the the uncomfortableness of that encounter but it it's real though I mean that happens and we That's see okay. it happen and and then kind of to to your points Ben you know I think just globally looking at you know Stewart's methodology and his research it's it's very evident why he was such a great guest for this podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with us and, and what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, that, absolutely. Again, one of the things that we wanted to highlight, and I know he referenced it a few times in, in the, the show was obviously 
there's resources on our blog as well. So if you maybe lost that, uh, that kind of that link, um, you can go to our blog as well and you, you'll have a hyperlink to go to that page and download that, uh, that workbook mm-hmm. again. And that's, uh, at no cost to do that. So you can go ahead and, and kind of click on that link and go. In regards to our show, of course, you can always find resources there, including that workbook, uh, but the transcript there. So I know some people are maybe less to listen and maybe they don't have as much time to spend uh, listening as they could read. Yeah. Um, so that we, we always have the transcript on that blog as well, um, including uh, kind of other resources. We'll put um, some more resources we think are going to be helpful uh, around visualization on that blog. So you can go to blog.guidancepointllc.com backslash. 15. So we're on our 15th show. Getting up there. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're still in our teens, right? So we're still teenagers, but we're, we're, we're moving pretty closely up. So, but for that, uh, we appreciate everyone's time today listening in. Again, we, we hope you got something out of this. Um, hope every one of our shows give you a little bit more of something to make your, your retirement a little more concrete and get a little more confidence and self-esteem towards approaching. So if you have any questions, reach out to us, but uh, we'll see you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information-filled episode of the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisor's mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. We do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.